talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man in Back at you with another edition of Dirty Kurt's Dugout. Welcome, everybody. This is Kurt Bavacqua, and I welcome you to episode four. So come on in, take a seat, share some splinters with me. Got kind of an interesting show for you today, but the first thing I have to do is my normal vent. I have to vent just a tad because of what's going on in baseball. I think it's slap in the face. And I will say this, I'm going to go on record. I haven't said it before. Tony Clark needs to pack tonight, take his top staff with him, and move down to the MLB offices until they get a deal. Because this is probably about how long it's going to take for them to be able to sign a deal when a new when this existing collective bargaining agreement expires in 2021. Because Tony Clark is not done a very good job of running the Major League Baseball Players Association. And if they're stupid enough to wait until three, four, five, six months before this CBA expires, they're going to be in for a long haul. Because even if they start tomorrow, like I just suggested, there's still going to be a strike. It is an almost guaranteed that that is going to happen. It's too bad. We're going to hit on that with my guest for tonight, Mike Reimer, a.k.a. the old gray wolf. He, this guy is an icon in the radio business, and he's my go-to guy with the Texas Rangers. We're going to talk about old-time baseball with the Texas Rangers, what they're up to now with Mike. But first, how about the Hall of Very Good? Now, how's that? Is that a perfect name for a podcast? You know why? Absolutely it is. And I can tell you why. We've got six guys going into the Hall of Fame this year. Of course, Mariano, Rivera, if you've been in a closet, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, Mike Messina, and the two guys that were elected by the Errors Committee, Lee Smith, Harold Baines. I got a feeling we're going to say Harold Baines a lot in my conversation. We are going to hear a lot about Harold Baines in our conversation with a couple of guys that run the podcast. They're on the podcast for the Hall of Very Good, and it's one of my favorite podcast names. I've listened to a couple of shows with these guys. They're outstanding. Sean Anderson, Lou Olson, welcome to Dirty Kurtz Dugout. I appreciate being here. This is Sean. Yeah. Hey, welcome, hey, guys. How, How are you? Thanks, man. Good. We're doing all right. How is sunny San Diego? Actually, it's rainy. San yeah, Diego I don't know. Right about, now, right? I don't. I don't know about sunny. I don't know about <laughs> sunny. Uh, excuse the pause there before I got you on, but had a little bit of an issue with the board. The people, my listeners, know about my issues with the board. So we just we just treat them as as normalcy around here, and it's no big deal. Hey, we have had the same gremlins yep. that you had, and we understand, my friend. <laughs> the one, the one thing I don't do anymore is panic. I'll never forget the nah. first time I was on live TV. The teleprompter broke. 
No, I'm, oh, I'm literally, good. I'm literally reading the sports report because that's the only chance that I had. <laughs> I mean, I was nervous as hell on a Sunday afternoon. It was Easter Sunday in 1987. I'll never forget it. Never forget it. Even after I die, I'm not going to forget it. That's how embarrassing it was and how bad it was. <laughs> the teleprompter breaks. I had no idea what to do. You know, have you ever seen a newscaster shuffle paperwork in front of them? Sure. Well, evidently, yeah. they're keeping up with the teleprompter. Yeah, it, it's a little little known secret, Kurt. I've actually I've been working in TV on the production and creative services side for a number of years. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. When that oh, prompter boy. goes down, you are screwed. You said, did you say 1978? You did that. 19? Did I say 78? Well, we'll reverse that because now I, evidently I have dyslexia, so it was 87. <laughs> okay, well, was, I was wondering how as. A thirty-year-old ball player, exactly. You're also doing weekend sports, but this makes more sense. And hey, I, I was I doing radio. Have, I might have misheard you. I was doing radio in '75. Really? Wow. Yeah, that's wow. when I started. Blue, that's when I started wow, my Brewers. kind of broadcasting career. Exactly when I was with the Milwaukee Brewers, they I was doing some afternoon shows, uh, a call-in with this with this guy by the name of Bob Barry on a station called WOKY. Mm. And then he moved the morning drive time, and they asked me if I wanted to stay doing sports reports. I had to stay in Milwaukee the entire winter. That was not a good move. Besides, I couldn't stand Milwaukee. It was not a good place for me to be. Uh, It was one of those two places in my career that, although I loved all the players and I loved everything about the city and its fans, I couldn't stand management. I couldn't stand ownership, not only there, but also in Pittsburgh. I I shouldn't say that I disliked management in Pittsburgh because I really didn't. They just didn't give me an opportunity that I thought I deserved and also a lot of other people. But in Chuck Tanner's defense and Danny Murtaugh's defense, they had we were surrounded by great players and they weren't going to be second guessed. And believe it or not, major league managers are worried about getting second guessed. So by that so let, let's go to the hall. Let's go back to the Hall okay, of Fame. Yeah. Let's go let's back to the Hall of Fame real quick, uh, because it's one of my favorite topics, and I I, yeah. I I especially get the hair on the back of my neck up in an uproar when I see things that happened, like what happened over the over this winter with the Errors Committee. And trust me, folks. I know how hard it is to play the game of baseball, especially at the major league level. I don't take anything away from any player that's ever stepped in the batter's box, that's ever stepped on the pitcher's mound, and that's ever attempted to play this game, especially for a long period of time. With that said, Mm -hmm. Harold Baines does not belong in Cooperstown. That's all there is to it. There's five or ten other guys that I can list real quickly that deserve to be in Cooperstown more than Harold Baines does. And I'm not taking anything away from this guy. But I want to know how the Hall of Fame does things the way they do it and continue to get away from it. But That's my pet peeve, guys. Do you have an answer to that? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I no. I mean, it's, that's a, it's a very loaded. I mean, look, the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame has turned into sort of like this overly exclusive club to me i feel like in a certain light and guys like harold baines getting in is sort of becoming more and more inevitable 
and I, I just don't, I don't know what if there's a solution to it, and I don't really know what the remedy is. But I mean, if there, I do, if, if it I do, you want to hear it? You can quote me. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Keep Jerry Reinsdorf off the damn committee. Keep Tony LaRusse off the committee, or at least the committee to vote in a player that they had. And don't let those guys go around the room twisting ears to get votes for it. It's unfair. It's the way it happened. It's well known. And it shouldn't happen. That's all there is to it. They should have different people. If they're going to have three or four different committees to vote guys into the Hall of Fame, make a committee of people that's larger than the 14-man committee or 16-man committee that they have where you can't go around and do those things. It yeah, makes it, it, it much harder. Much, much larger, right, Kurt? The, that Veterans Committee, before they broke it down to the eras, it used to, used to be, I mean, dozens of guys, I want to say. That's the reason it was so difficult to get in. Okay. With the, and, but and how does a guy that's, that only got 6, guys. 6% of the vote in the normal vote, that's the most that he ever got from the Baseball Writers Association, and he gets voted in by the Eris Committee. It's, you know, it's it's ludicrous, it's ridiculous, and if I'm a guy like Al Oliver, I'm screaming. But only Al's not like that. He's a God-fearing man. He just became a full-time minister. He's not going to create waves. He's just not going to do it. Lee Smith, he should have been a few years ago. If the guys that are in yeah. as relievers are in the Hall of Fame, Lee Smith deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know Lee that well, but I learned through his friends that he didn't even want to talk about it. He wouldn't even go on a show to talk about the Hall of Fame. There are guys that will go on shows to talk about it. And, and again, they're not going to create waves to Kenny Loftons of the world the Al Olivers of the world. And they're yeah, just good guys, and, they're, and you can't figure it out. You can't figure out how those guys aren't in or they are not in, and then you've got a guy that was elected. And I, and I, I certainly don't blame him. Uh, go and have your day and enjoy yourself and, 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 and be proud of everything that you did uh, because you're in now. That's the way it is. I'm waiting yeah. to get voted in within the next 10 or 15 years. Not a boy. <laughs> if I can just stay alive, I, I, I think wanna, I can make it. I want to step back to the, to the Lee Smith, uh, what you said where Lee Smith won't talk about it. I can tell you, and, and, and Lou can as well, we can, as a fact, 100%, we can tell you that Lee will not come on yep. the podcast and, and talk about it. Uh, yep. he just, it's, it's, it's just not something he wants to discuss. No, and, and, and that's we okay. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, do, I do want to go back to Harold Baines. As, as much as people will say Baines doesn't belong, and whether he does or doesn't, doesn't matter, he's in. Can his inclusion now, his election in by this, this committee, doesn't that then in theory, doesn't that open the door for an Al Oliver, a Lou Whitaker, a Dick Allen, a Dale mm. Murphy, a Dave Parker. Let's go down the list. A, 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 a Jim Cott. Tom, Tommy John, John. A Louis Tion. Can't we now look at these guys as potentials? And Al Oliver, who gets 4.3% in 91, doesn't 
does his stock now elevate a little bit? Ted Simmons got very close. I I think you've made very valid points, and I think it certainly (laughs) does. It it certainly does open the door for these guys. But what we're doing, what we're doing is making Cooperstown the name of your podcast. That's exactly what's happening to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, with naturally some exceptions. I mean, I had Joe Morgan on the show a couple of shows ago, and Mm -hmm. Joe's been on uh, committees there ever since 2000. Uh, You know, he just can't politically come out and say anything negative about it. Uh, But he said that they need to do some things differently. And they need to sit back and figure out what to do. Just like Tony Clark needs to sit back and figure out what the hell he's going to do before this next collective bargaining agreement. If you guys had five guys today, if you had the power within the next two hours to put five guys into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, who would it be? Mm-hmm. Who would I put in right now? Are we going with uh... – do they have to be Hall eligible? Anybody you want. Because <laughs> I know I know Sean's going to pick go? a Deo Nomo. <laughs> I know you're going to pick a Deo Nomo. So go ahead and do that and get that I, out of the way. Today. Well, you know, you know what? Yeah. So wait, I, I, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you just say Nomo? I did, and I'm why. All right. I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. It's the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Let's take a cue from what the Basketball Hall of Fame has done and open it up to international players, to women players, female players, to guys who have had successful careers outside of the Major Leagues. Julio Franco is one of four players professionally to have more than 4,000 hits. Am I putting Julio Franco in the Hall of Fame? No, but my point being you got to look at these guys that have had success elsewhere. It's not just the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Why is Buck O'Neill not in? Yeah. Well, Buck O'Neill, O'Neill deserves to be in. One. Okay, yeah, so O'Neill you got today Nomo, <laughs> who, who we – I'm dying. Great choice, Who we both agree, disagree on. So. Yeah, <laughs> Who's your next agree. four? I appreciate I appreciate what Hideo Nomo did for baseball, Sean, but nah, I'm going to pass on that. Okay, hold on. People are going to listen and think that he's in my top five. It's not my top five. It's just oh, somebody okay. who's all right, all right. Oh, good. No, I, 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 I'd, put, I'd put in Buck O'Neill. Why not? Yeah, I, Buck O'Neill would be on my list. I like your friend Pete Rose. I'd put him in the Hall of Fame. He's got the more hits than anybody ever, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he did some bad stuff, but... We're, we're just saying anybody, right? He did some and stupid with, stuff. Exactly. Without yeah. getting into the steroid conversation, I look at Jim Cott. I look at Tommy John. Guys who you played against, I mean, you tell us if maybe we're, we're off base. And, and, I mean, I like Dale Murphy, man. I mean, it, Dale's a good guy and, and had those, those years there where tell me there was somebody better. No, I think uh, I think you're on with a couple of guys, uh, with yeah. especially Cot and Tommy John. Uh, Dale Murphy's a no for me. Okay. Uh, Nomo's definitely a no for me. Buck O'Neill's a <laughs> Buck Buck O'Neill. Um, 
is definitely deserves a spot in Cooperstown. And you mentioned something about women. There, there is women in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, Mammy, Mammy, Mammy Tina Johnson's in the Hall of Fame, isn't well, she? So, you know, when a woman becomes a Major League Baseball player, I don't, I'm not going to go for uh, having guys that, uh, that played in other leagues. We're talking okay. about Major League Baseball. I know the word national is in. You're, you're the first one I ever heard say that. I like it, but it's the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not just the Baseball Hall of Fame. But it's not also just the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. That's correct, but it's also not the International Baseball Hall of Fame. Fair enough. So we're good. Um, we're good right, with so those guys, but what were your other choices? Well, I I didn't pick any. I want to pick yeah, some. Yeah, I have what, different. I have some, I have some different Kurt, thoughts. I want to know what your thoughts are. I want to know who you, who you, who your five are. I would. Uh, so Tommy John is my number one. He's he he's always been. Uh, now that Edgar Martinez is finally in, I, I can get off of that horse. Otherwise, Edgar would have been my number one. But Tommy John is my number one. Um, I think Roger Maris should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we know Roger's family. Um, we're big fans. I'm a huge fan of Roger Maris. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, statistically, it's kind of an anomaly if you really break it down and look at Jeff Kent, how some guys who are like Harold Baines is a good example. If you look at Jeff Kent versus Harold Baines, it's kind of odd that Jeff Kent isn't higher on our, everybody's list. Um, since I can't have Buck O'Neill, I'll go Lou Whitaker in his place. I think Lou Whitaker should be in, and then uh, Al Oliver would probably be my fifth because I'm also a big fan of Al. That's that's a good choice because I've got Whitaker, Lofton, Oliver, Kent, and Tommy John. Beautiful. So we're as we're my five, and I I there. just made I just did that list when I asked you guys the question. I didn't even write it down before, so it's uh, you know it just, those were the guys that came to my head. Those were the guys that are are deserving that wonder. What's going on? They look around and they they try to figure out every... And I got to tell you something. I'm really surprised that some of these guys with media the way it is today and social media the way it is today, I'm really surprised that we're not hearing more from these guys unless they think that if they put anything out there negatively, that it's going to ax them out for sure for the rest of their life. And that's sad. That said, why can't yeah. somebody speak up and say, you know what, I deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I know if it was me, I'd be out there saying it. Sure. It isn't, I think it's weird that all three of us shied away from steroids, guys. I think it's, that that's because they're going to get in anyway. You know, yeah, you know really what, I didn't even think about that. Because get in. Yeah, I, I think, I, I tell you what, I don't know, I know all of the speculation that we heard, especially with the MLB network, with the way uh, the voting went and the last 50% of the votes that came in and the way those guys do things and all of that stuff. And to be perfectly honest with you, with Mariano getting 100% of the vote this time, they might just be on to something because they know what's going on. Uh, it, in, in my mind, Mariano Duncan did not deserve to get 100% of the vote this year. Because there was a voter that came out and said he was not going to vote for Mariano uh, Rivera. Rivera, yeah. And that he, yeah. did I say Duncan? That proves yeah, how far I go. We all, we all know what you meant. Mariano Duncan. I mean, that is a cool name, though. If I can't put Hideo Nomo in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm not going to put Mariano Duncan in. in the- 
Yeah, that's true. We can't, put, we can't put Duncan in. Oh, the Hall of Very Good. My guest, yeah, he can come. Sean Anderson Ariana and Lou Duncan Olson. Go to the Hall of Very Good. Well, if if a writer comes out and says I w- was not going to vote for the guy, so I'm going to abstain from voting so it doesn't tarnish the 100. percent That that's not right. Somebody in the Hall of Fame needed to step up there, and nobody had big enough gonads to do it, and say, you got to send in your vote without Mariano Duncan or Rivera on it. I don't know why I keep saying Mariano Duncan. That's fine. But without without Rivera on your ballot, you need to send it in because that's the way we're going to run this organization. Yeah, isn't it not like like not showing up for – for test day, if you don't show up on the day of a test, you get a zero out of 100 or however many points the test is worth. You don't get to do a zero for zero, like which no is basically kidding. what this guy did by abstaining. You know, no kidding. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I'm going to have to go out and play golf with Joe and just tell him how to run that place. I think he's going to be <laughs> retiring soon. Hey, Sean, I understand yeah, you got a Pete Rose story. Do you have a Pete Rose story? <laughs> Oh, from Vegas I, or something? What I do? There's uh, there, there, there are no short stories, but I will try to make this one as brief as possible. Good, go. Uh, <laughs> for a number of years, I I go to this conference every year in Las Vegas, and every year I try to build into my schedule to go down and see Pete. And this year, finally, uh, this this past June, I built in the Wednesday where I was able to go see Pete Rose. So I go down there, and Pete's sitting there, and Kurt, I don't know if you've ever seen Pete when he's done his signings. They have him, he's cordoned off like he's uh, like, a, like a zoo animal, almost. <laughs> and there's, there's, seriously, it's the weirdest thing. And there's carnival barkers standing at the door. Hey, it's the hit king, and come on in. And they're all wearing his jerseys. And they push his wares on you. Buy bats, buy balls, buy jerseys. And I just said, I just want to talk to Pete. And... Lou and I had had Junior on the podcast not long before, mm-hmm. and Junior said, hey, you know what, just go up and talk to him. And it's like, well, but, you know, it's really, I mean, it's 85 bucks to get him to sign whatever. And he goes, no, just tell him you know me. So I did it. And so, Pete, we're standing there, and Pete's asked me the name of the podcast, whatever, because it, it and, and he goes, oh, very good, huh? And I said, yeah. And, and he goes, this is what we're going to do. You tell me who you think should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. And, Kurt, I stood there for probably 10 minutes, palm sweaty, because Pete's going to big-time you. I mean, it's he, <laughs> and, and we got to a point where he and I were going back and forth on stuff until finally he conceded where he, was, he started explaining something to me, as he was everything else he was telling me. And then he goes, ah, you know what you're talking about. And then... Kurt, then I knew I had him. <laughs> and so I said, all right, Pete, here's my card. Here's my number. Let's get you on the podcast. That's and then, awesome. Well, and, actually, and then, and then and hold on. He goes, so where are you staying at? And I go, oh, I'm down at the Mirage. He goes, oh, I'll be there tomorrow. And I'm like, son of a bitch. I just spent $30 in a cab ride to go down to Mandalay Bay to see him. And he's going to be right by this store that I cross, I, you know, six, eight times back and forth in my conference. So I walked in the Thursday. I walked in, just said hi to him. Okay, cool. <laughs> then Friday walked in, 
And, you know, he was asking me how the conference went. We're talking like people, Kurt. It was weird because no longer was he Hit King, who I grew up watching. He was Pete, who all of a sudden was interested in how my conference went and what do I do for work and when I'm going home and when my flight leaves and whatever. So then he tells me, he goes, here, give me your phone. He puts in his number and tells me to give him a call a week from Monday, whatever it was. I call him, left a voicemail, haven't heard from him since. So, Pete, if you're listening, my guess was, Kurt, that he saw the number pop up, and he's saying, who the hell in Illinois is trying to call me? Forgetting that, you know, one of the umpteen guys he probably ran into in a span of an hour that day, you know, wanted to get him on their, uh, you know, their little podcast. But yeah, So, let so, me tell you the secret. Yeah. Send him a text. All right. Really? Yep. All right. I know. I'm yeah. going to text him, and Kurt... I'm going to drop your name. Oh, yeah. That's real good. Well, the, say, don't tell him. Make sure. Make He'll get ticked at me if he thinks that I gave you guys his number. Oh, no. I'll tell him. I'll no, no, because I told Pete, I said, I'm never going to give your number out, and I don't expect you to give anybody mine. So when, if you text him, just say, I was on Kurt's show. I already had your number, but you're not responding to my calls. And he told me a tip to text you. Ah, see, I didn't want, I, you know, and, and what's the movie, Lou, Swingers, where, you know, you're supposed to call three days oh, late. Sure. Yeah. I didn't want to hound Pete little. Rose because it's Pete Rose. Hey, Pete's you know got I mean? time on his hands now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're good. Well, always a day when he's at a casino signing autographs. But, yeah, Pete, Pete's, got, Pete's got some time on his hands, I can imagine. He does. He does. He was a good guy. He was. I mean, he's, he he's, is a good guy. He's a, nice guy. he's a great guy. Hey I guys, really I appreciate I appreciate you coming on, Sean Anderson, Thanks. Lou Olson from the podcast, folks. Look it up. The Hall of Very Good. Uh, these guys are very good at what they do. Uh, it was a pleasure having them on. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for taking out the time. Thanks, Thanks Kurt. Kurt. You appreciate got it. it. Right, the Hall care. of Very Good. Tune in and listen to that podcast along with Dirty Kurt's Dugout. My next guest, I am excited to have on. You know why? This guy is an icon. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him an icon. He's going to probably disagree. But he's an icon in radio. I mean, I put him up there with Shotgun Tom Kelly, Rick Dees, the whole ball of wax. He's been in the Dallas market for, let's just say, a long time. He's been around. Mike Reimer, a.k.a. the old gray wolf. And when it comes to Reiner and Texas Ranger baseball, he's the guy to go to, and that's why I'm going to him. Mike, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on this podcast with one of my favorite Rangers of all time. Well, from what I understand, you were just getting into it. Uh, when I was when I was with the Rangers in seventy seven seventy eight, uh, that was yeah. I, I was about to get into the whole radio thing back then. I wasn't there yet. I was still paying my way into the ballpark and going out there quite a bit and watching those seventy seven seventy eight teams do their thing. And and uh, it was good times back then, Kurt. What do you remember? It's coincidental that. You were doing that at that time and just getting ready to do radio and be uh, in the running the top radio sports uh, show in the Dallas area, which incidentally is a huge sports town. 
I mean, we're we're down to two teams. Well, three if you want to count this new football league that they've got going on here. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Dallas has six major league sports teams, don't they? Oh yeah, we got the full deck, man. We got the full deck. We got we all the others like you know the PGA comes through here. We have some pretty big big kind of tennis that will roll through here every year. We got all manner of women's sports. Got a big marathon. Got the Texas Motor Speedway out there. We got the full deck around here now. It's not <laughs> like it was when you were here. Well, let's let's reminisce for a minute. What do you remember most? Is there anything that stands out with the '77 Rangers? Um, yeah, there is. That was one of my favorite Ranger teams ever because I believe that was the year that you guys fooled around and won 94 games or something like that. We won a lot of games that year. We really did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, they had their the best year that they had up until that point. And it's it, it really kind of irritates me a little bit that that is totally forgotten today. You know, you don't when, when you talk about good Ranger teams, sure, everybody talks about more recent years and a couple trips to the World Series and Game 6 and all that stuff, but that was a, a, a really good team that they put out on the field back then, and, and it just seems to have gone way underappreciated and forgotten, I think, but it was a fun team to watch, it was an exciting team to watch, and, you know, I, I, I kept thinking as the season wore on, and it got the weather got hot and everybody got beaten down by it the way it always was. But sooner or later, the team was going to fall off the ledge and it was going to, you know, pill around and be about 500 like it always was or worse. But that didn't happen, man. You guys just kept winning ball games. We had a good time. I think, I think the reason that we won uh, the few extra games that a lot of people uh, that surprised a lot of people was because of the fact that we all got along so well. And there were there were really some good guys on that team, and I, and I'm talking. I mean, for people that don't remember, uh, you you know, I'm talking about Bump Wills. I'm talking about uh, Campy Campaneris, uh was uh, was with that ball club. I Mike Hargrove was the leadoff hitter uh, mm-hmm. with that ball club. We had Willie Horton on the team. We had Claudel Washington on the team. Uh, Tom Grieve, who I believe is still announcing uh, for the ball club. Was on that was on that team, and boy, he could hit. Uh, yes. You know, we had some good players on that team, and uh, let's not forget uh, uh, a guy that I look as being the the guy that kind of sat there, and he was the warden. Was a guy that was with the Yankee organization by the name of John Ellis. Oh, and Johnny Ellis! I remember Johnny specifically because I don't know why I was drug along with him. But one of the reasons that I asked you, is there anything that stands out in your mind about the 77 team, was that there really is something that stands out in my mind. And that was the Roger Moret incident. Oh, gosh, yes. And it People was still talk about it today. I know. It was so strange. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't believe Roger ever rebounded uh, from that incident. I, I remember seeing him with the Red Sox before the Rangers got him. Yeah, I didn't know too much about him then. You know, when guys would come up from the minor leagues back then, you had nowhere near the the volumes of data on them that you have on guys today. So I didn't know a whole lot about him. But I remember watching him pitch against the Rangers and thinking, man, this guy is bringing it pretty good. 
Oh, and I yeah. was excited when they got him. Yeah, he could bring he could bring it. Mike yeah. Reiner, my desk my guest, aka the old gray wolf. Did uh was that name given to you or was something you just adapted yourself? Um, it's a, a nickname that my former spouse gave me. <laughs> she, she used to call she used to call me Wolf. It's really a crazy story. She used to call me Wolf, and by the time we got the radio station up and running, we had a kid together and everything, and, like, I was starting to turn gray, and one day, one of the guys, we were just, you know, talking, goofing around the way we do here at the Little Ticket, and one guy says to me, does your wife have any pet names for you? And I said, No. And I had it just so happened that I had my kid who was probably about five up there with me. You know, that's why I was watching her. And when she heard that and said, Yes, yeah, she does too. Mommy calls you Wolf. <laughs> so your five year old kid gave you away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She gave me away and then naturally that was latched on to and old and gray promptly got uh, placed in front of it and I became the old gray wolf and you know, it's one of those things that I would like. At first, I was going to try and fight it, but why? You know? Absolutely. You can't. You can't. Absolutely. So now you want to call me Wolf, you want to call me the old gray wolf, call me the gray wolf, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Mike Reiner, the ticket, by the way, is KTCK. Those are the call letters for the station in Dallas, if you're ever in the Dallas Metroplex area and you want to hear good programming and good uh, good sports radio talk, tune in to Mike and his partner uh, in the afternoon there. Are you on from 1 to 5 your time? Um, 3 to 7 our time. 3 to, three seven, to 7, Dallas okay. Yeah. That's 1 to 5 is, okay. Yeah. No, We're it's not. Our, I, I tell you what, I got so screwed up with, with trying to coordinate this with you. I was sure that... If I did this show at uh, at two forty five in San Diego, that I'd be fine with you, because you were going to get off the air in a couple hours, and it it just cuts it too close. I mean, I I appreciate you coming, I really do, but I can't ask you to come on after doing four hours of radio two minutes after you get off the air. That's just not fair. Ah, I can hang, man. I'm a tough guy. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go to the '78. Go ahead. Mike. Let me ask you about something that happened in '77. Okay. Um, were you there the entire year that year? No, I ended up. '77 uh, was the year Seattle released me after uh, drafting me in the expansion draft. And the last couple of days of spring training, I got released by Seattle. Incidentally. After leading the club in almost every offensive category. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a strange deal. So I called a third base coach who I spent a lot of time talking to the year before, and that's Rich Donnelly, Mm -hmm. who was a coach in the Texas Ranger organization at that time. Yes. And he goes, Kurt, let me make a phone call. And evidently he called up to the big club. And uh, I got a job, and I went down to Plant City, Florida. So I went from uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, at a major league camp, to Plant City, Florida, where the Texas Rangers AAA club was there, the Tucson Toros. And none of the players were allowed to have phones in their rooms. 
So I went, I went up to the manager of the hotel and I said, listen, I don't know what your rules are here. And I don't care that three guys left the hotel last year and didn't pay you their phone bill. Here's my credit card. I've been a major league player for six years now. I need a damn phone in my room because there were no cell phones. Or if they were, they were those bricks. So that's how I got picked up. And I spent, let's see, um, I went to the big club probably about the middle of July is when I ended up with the big club. I I went to the big club when Billy Hunter was the manager. So the Lucchese, um, Stanky, and Connie Ryan were the three managers before Billy Hunter that year. That club went through four managers uh, within a short period of time. Yeah. Now, how chaotic must that have been? Well, I wasn't around. I mean, I I, like I said, I didn't come up until – until the middle of July or so, Billy Hunter was already in. Uh, I think Lucchese had gotten fired. They talked Stanky out of retirement. Uh, he came in, and I think his memory serves me right, um, he got homesick after one game. Yes, he managed one game okay. and left in the middle of the night. <laughs> that sounds like something I did many times during my career. <laughs> <laughs> Left in the middle of the night. I love that. Yeah, yeah, left in the middle of the night. Somebody. It just so happened that somebody was coming in, and they saw him in the hotel lobby with his bags packed, and they sensed that something was up, and they called Eddie Robinson and woke him up and said, man, you better get down here. It looks like Eddie's about to leave. And so he did, and, and they tried to talk him in. The, as the story goes, they tried to talk him into staying, but he said, no, no, I've decided I don't want to do this, and I'm homesick, and I'm going, and that's that. Yeah, that that was crazy. That was crazy stuff, and and along with the Moret stuff and the amount of games, I mean, I think you bring up a good point um, that uh, I, I think there's a lot of people that don't give that, that team in 77 as much credit as they deserve because of the number of games that they won and everything that they had to go – you know the, everything that they had to go through up yeah, until the hung, end of the they season. They through a lot of stuff. They really did. And then the '78 team. You know, we add guys like Bonds, and I'm not talking about Barry. I'm talking about his dad, Bobby, mm-hmm. and Al Oliver and Richie Zisk. And then we get Ferguson Jenkins. And you know who the highest paid player on the '78 Ranger team was? Who? Mike Jorgensen. Wow, really? Mike Jorgensen. I would not have figured that. I, I learned that about two years ago, and I, I spent two hours looking into it because I saw the amount of money that he made, and I went, wait a minute. Al Oliver's making two hundred forty grand, and Mike Jorgensen's making 800000 I go, this has to be a mistake. So I looked into it, and... It, it was not a mistake. I mean, it was. Wow. It's it's still crazy to me to this day. And Georgie is a great guy, so more power to him for getting that money. Because yeah. I tell you what, after the '77 season was over, I was not going to leave Dallas, Arlington, until I had talked to Brad Corbett about a contract. And I'll tell you a little story that I made that happen. A couple of days after the season ended, 
at Brad Corbett's birthday party at Fort Worth Country Club. And I went over there uninvited mm-hmm. and made it perfectly clear that I was there to celebrate with the Corbett family and all his friends when, in reality, I was there worried about my future in baseball. And by the time it was 4 o'clock in the morning, Brad and I were in his kitchen. We had negotiated a deal. He had shook hands with me. And he goes, is there anybody you want to call? I said, I'd love to call my mom. And he gave me his phone. I dialed the number. I called my mom. I talked to her for about 30 to 45 seconds. I said, I'll call you back tomorrow. I hung the phone up. I turned around. Brad Corbett had fell asleep on the top of his sink, and his head had fallen into the dishwater. (laughs) So that's the way my night ended. I kind of crept out of his house, and I left. Oh, man. And there was a deadline to send out contracts every year, and it's December 31st. I was down in Puerto Rico playing winter ball, and I got the contract. Come certified mail. I got it. And I open it up, and I'm really excited, and it's for like 27000 And I go, wait a second. This is a one-year deal, 27000 So his agreement and my agreement was for 270000 for three years. So I called Dan O'Brien up on the phone, and he goes, Kurt, I don't know anything about this. He goes, you're going to have to... Uh, wait until we get to spring training because you're not going to be back until after the Caribbean series, and it really doesn't give us enough time. So if you wait a couple of more weeks, we'll take care of it when you get into Pompano. So sure enough, here I go into Pompano Beach unsigned with a question mark as to what the deal was with Brad Corbett because we both – we had both had a lot to drink that night, but we had made the deal, and I thought that I knew what the deal compro- composed of, but I wasn't positive. You Now there's doubt in my mind. Yep. Right? So I go right. in to Dan uh, uh, O'Brien's office uh, at the ballpark, and I sit down with him, and I tell him what I thought the deal – not what I thought the deal was. I said, this is the deal we made, Dan. I go, we made it at Brad's birthday party. And he goes, just let me check with him. So I looked out the window of the trailer, which was his office, um, and Billy Hunter is standing talking to Brad Corbett down the left field line at Pompano Park. And I see Dan O'Brien go over to him. And I'm kind of watching what is being said. I can't hear anything, but I'm watching the hand gestures. I'm watching the facial features and all of that stuff. And I see Dan talking to Brad and I see Brad looking at him like, what are you talking about? You know, he's, he's got this quizzical look on his face and then I see him shake his head and I go, you know, this is not good. (laughs) Then I see Billy Hunter get involved. I see more conversation going on between Brad and Dan O'Brien. And then I see Billy Hunter get involved and I see Billy Hunter shake his head. No, not shake his head. Yes. And I'm going, I'm not going to like this when Dan O'Brien comes back into the trailer. So here comes Dan O'Brien back in the trailer. And he goes, Kurt, I just want you to know that Brad has no idea what you're talking about. 
I go, you know, I was watching out the window and I kind of figured the same thing. And he goes, but if you said that's what the deal was, then you're good for it. And that's the contract that we'll give you. And he goes, as far as getting bonuses with the at-bats and the games played, Billy Hunter doesn't want any part of that. He's never liked it when a player has a bonus feature in a contract that calls for a number of at-bats or games played. So the extra money that Brad told you you would earn if you reach those numbers, those are all going to be included in the contract also. So he comes comes back in with $275,000 that turned into three and a quarter because I had a $25,000 bonus on at-bats, and I also had a $25,000 bonus for games played that he just threw into the contract. And I knew from that day forward that if Brad Corbett was the owner of a major league team, I wanted to play for him. Man, that's an amazing story. It is an amazing story, and it's as true as the day is long. That's the the part about it that is – truly amazing because you know i i'm not a big drinker so i kind of said that we were both drinking but i don't i've never i never remember in my entire life except for i think one high school night that i remember drinking myself where i didn't remember anything so all through my major league career all through my adulthood i've never been what you would call drunk to where i couldn't remember You know, I've had a few drinks and even, hell, I have days now where there's things I can't remember. So I've been good my whole adult life as far as alcohol is concerned. I kind of had an idea of what we talked about, but Brad was pretty hammered that night. And he's the one that didn't remember. He went on, he went on to own that ball club for how much longer? Um, not too much longer after that. I think it was like, um... 79 or 80 when he sold it to Eddie Childs, I believe. Well, the next year, Mike Hargrove and I got traded to the San Diego Padres. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was Katie Barr the door for Arlington. Yeah, so that was your exit from here, huh? I don't That's think crazy. there was – I don't think that there was like 27, 28,000 people in Arlington when when I bought a house there. The, after the 77, I think we bought that house the winter of 77, going into the spring of 78. Yeah, it was just a little mid-cities outpost, but boy, you ought to see it now. Boy, I've heard. I, I need to get back there because the ball club send, sends me invitation to come to the alumni events, and uh, I need to uh, I need to get out there because, boy, there sure are a lot of good people in Dallas. Yeah, it's a great place to live, a great place to hang out, and and as a former Ranger great, you would be well remembered if you were to make one of these scenes. Well, I had a I had a good time while I was there. And Mike, I, I certainly appreciate your time. I know uh, you've spent a few hours on the radio uh, earlier in the day today, and I'll let you go. But uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope we do this again because Dude, uh, one of my favorite yeah one of my favorite topics is uh, people that are snubbed for the Hall of Fame. And I think there okay. were, yeah, there were, uh, there were a couple of guys on those Rangers team that you talked about early in the day with, with Al Oliver being at the top of my list. 
that is a guy that deserves to be in the Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame and isn't. And uh, maybe you can come back on a show and we can do that sometime. I would love to. Call me anytime. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, it. Kurt. Thank you for having me. You, you got it, buddy. Mike Reiner, the old gray wolf, is a Dallas sports talk show host, and he created the radio station The Ticket. KTCK in Dallas, and it's the top-rated sports radio station in the Metroplex area. Tune it in. I don't know what number it is on the dial. I'm sorry. I should have asked Mike that when he was uh, when he was on with us. But hey, I appreciate Mike's getting some splinters. I appreciate all of you being in the dugout today. This is Kurt Bavakwa with episode four of Dirty Kurt's Dugout. Remember, go to patreon.com slash Kurt and have a look. See the different ways that you can become a member, help us out, and we're going to be putting out some specials out there for you. So don't be afraid to uh, keep looking and keep listening. Everybody, until next time, this is Kurt Bavakwa saying so long. We're talking baseball, Klazuski Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey.